Welcome to the second season of the Brand Lab podcast, hosted by myself, Connie Nam, founder and CEO of your favorite jewelry brand, Astrid and Me. We are not just a jewelry brand, we are a movement. We are here to empower everyone. During the pandemic, I started mentoring a few business owners. Following the experience, I was looking for ways to scale the knowledge and information and decided to launch a podcast series where I interview founders and leaders for inspiration, because this is how I learned through listening and reading. After a positive response from our community last season, I sat down again with like-minded founders and industry leaders, diving into the behind the scenes and operations of cult brands across fashion, beauty, and lifestyle. You will be able to gain insight into the highs, lows, lessons learned, and the patience required in building a business or a career. Get ready to be inspired and be empowered. Please note this series has been recorded remotely, which might affect the sound quality. In this episode, I sat down with Sophie Agar, brand director of Papier, the must-have on-trend stationery brand. Sophie spoke to me about building the Papier brand alongside founder Taymor, being the first employee, maintaining and fostering culture during rapid growth, as well as an exclusive reveal of Papier's new rebrand project. Sophie also goes in depth about her role as the brand director, looking after everything from traditional PR to creative campaign design and execution. Hi, Sophie. Thank you so much for joining us. Hi, Connie. It's great to be here. Yeah, so good to meet you finally. So let's go straight into it. So I'll ask you about Papier, leadership, um, being one of the founding members, and also your career as a marketer. But first, um, yeah, let, let's start with your journey initially. I know that you started art history in university, and then you started in marketing straight away. How did um, you make that choice? I was probably one of those people at, at school who had no idea of what they were going to do um, or where they were going to go. So um, I just started studying history of art at A-level, loved it and thought this is something I could definitely spend all my time doing. Um, so it just was a natural choice to do it at university. And it, it obviously is the kind of subject that could, could lead to any sort of career in perhaps a creative industry. And, and that was some, sort of what I vaguely knew I wanted um, to do. And I was just lucky, I guess, uh, after uni, I, I was given the opportunity to, to join uh, the American Brown Anthropology. Um, and uh, it was just as they were expanding into Europe. So um, I kind of fell into marketing. Um, I started as a graduate trainee and then moved into the marketing department and that's kind of where it all began and it, I've just found that it really married like my interest in sort of creativity and then that sort of more commercial side and the analytical side which um, personally I was you know most interested in. Yeah and I guess anthropology is one of those brands that are very creative led so your art history background probably fit really well. Yeah no it's it was an amazing brand to to start with and um you know, at its core, it's all about creativity and um, being sort of experiencing like how they approach retail was amazing. And, um, you know, every every store has uh, a studio 
like an artist studio in it with a whole team of creatives and that in itself is just super inspiring and kind of fed into a lot of the marketing that we decided to do and you know sharing um on social in the early days of social you know what what the teams what the teams are actually doing to you know create the store windows and all the incredible displays so there was a lot of content to work with yeah yeah amazing yeah and I I know that um, when Taymor started Papier he approached you you guys knew each other how did you make that leap how did he convince you to join an idea where when you already work for an amazing like established brand um yeah well I I had actually just I'd, I'd left anthropology and worked at another company for about a year and a half um but I sort of had the itch to move and I also wanted to go back to somewhere that was was really creative in a sort of creative space um and I didn't really need much convincing to be honest because I just thought <laughs> it would be a fun challenge to go in uh to something from the start you know not knowing if it, it would necessarily succeed or fail um and I was you know, I checked with my, like my dad and he was like, just go for it. You're young. doesn't matter if, if, um, you know, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out, but it's a great experience. So, um, yeah, once Tamil had raised, uh, some capital, I, I jumped and, and, uh, the rest, I guess is now history. Oh, wow. So you were employee number, um, one, number one. one. Oh, wow. Aside from him. Yeah. Um, yeah intense first few weeks and, and months for sure yeah that must have been so intense you probably did like 10 people's jobs at that time um yeah we actually both did like customer service probably for the first year we kind of had um even as as we built out a team we always sort of uh you know jumped in and, and helped where we could and I think Tamil had a, another name he was Tim at customer service and and was was answering the phones and doing emails so yeah we we did everything and um I think that was a great sort of opportunity to just lean into all areas of of the business that's amazing that's so similar to how I started I started and I started doing customer services and we hand we hand delivered orders but you know we were like we'll come and replace your order and you know, you're nearby and doing that kind of thing at the start. And I think people really appreciate, but they probably didn't realize that there were just two of us or, um, or even like the founder was going around delivering orders. Yeah. They thought he was Tim. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's amazing. That's such a great story. And now I've read you've got 70 employees or maybe it might be more. Uh, no, just almost 70. Yeah. Wow. So how did your role evolve during that time? Um, I can imagine that you have to, you would have had to rewrite your job description every six months or so. Yeah. um, I mean, my, my roles pretty much stayed as like brand director, but I started out doing all the marketing. And then over time, we've kind of separated out between like brand and performance marketing. So we have a a whole performance marketing function and uh, yeah, different elements, I guess, that I was responsible for have now been handed over to other people, which is actually quite freeing because even though I, I loved kind of being involved in so many aspects. It's great to to now have much more of a focus. And my remit is really around 
building the brand and, and growing awareness um, and just delivering a much more sort of sophisticated brand. And, and we're actually going through a rebrand at the moment, which is a really exciting project. It's so exciting to kind of move into this next phase. It's a bit less of a hustle than probably it was for the first five years, but um, still exciting, just different. Yeah, that's so exciting. And what were the biggest challenges going from, I guess, you and Tamor to almost 70 employees? Um, it, it probably is just like maintaining that sort of entrepreneurial spirit and making sure the culture of, of the team is sustained and we still want people to feel like they're part of a community. And um, it's it's been much harder in the last year with, with lockdown and covid that we actually haven't been in the office. So there's kind of natural like connections and relationship building that happens just a much harder. Um, so I think, yeah, just retaining that sense of um, you're part of something like special and um, exciting is, is much harder as, as the team grows. And, you know, you will get to a point where we don't know everyone's name and new people won't have met every single person in the business. And I think, um, yeah, we, we want to make sure that we can kind of bring people together as much as possible, um, even as we grow and, and do kind of, you know, team lunches. That's that's something we always had. And um, even now with 70 of us, we've just obviously got a bigger office and, and everyone will get together on Tuesdays and do a big lunch um, when we start going into the office. So, yeah. Yeah, that's okay. amazing. Yeah. Do you have to put any structures in to make sure that you maintain? I mean, it sounds a bit ironic to put structure. Structure and culture don't seem to go together, but are you proactively doing things to maintain that culture with, uh, I don't know, like 100 people in mind or 120 people? And I, I ask this because this is something that I worry about constantly as well. And this is what wakes me up like at night. How, how big's the team with you? Right now we have around 100 people. So out of that, like 45 are in the office, 55 in retail. Yeah. I mean, we've we've always had, uh, probably for the last, I think she's been with us for about three years, like an office manager. And she's also our founder's um, executive assistant. And she's been incredible at, at sort of making sure that you know, from a social perspective, st- things were still happening in lockdown and making sure that that office experience is really special and, and people want to come to the office because working at home is definitely not um it might be perhaps more productive but you lose out on on that kind of sociable element of, of being in in the team um we've also just hired a people director which i think is going to be a really big change for the business and obviously a big part of their role is, is thinking about the culture and how we maintain um you know everyone's sort of uh, motivated spirit and stuff during the sort of expansion that we're going through. Yeah. We just hired a people and culture director as well. She's been with the company for say, three months now and it's making a massive difference. I think. Um, yeah. Yeah. It is so important to have that people function early on to maintain that culture. Absolutely. Yeah. How would you define your culture at the moment? Um, oh, that's really tricky question. I think um, it's, it's friendly and, open but but pretty hard working I think everyone is ambitious and you know is really contributing to this this fast growth that we're going through um so yeah I think we're still kind of entrepreneurial spirit um even as as we've got to sort of yeah 70 people yeah 
So one of the things that really resonated with me when I was reading about you and Papier was um, Papier's mission as a brand and a business. It said to inspire people and to connect more often and more meaningfully. Um, I think this is such a powerful statement. Can you tell me a bit about this and how this um, manifests in your marketing plans and strategies? Yeah, um, I mean, that that came about quite organically early on. I think um, when we started the business, we were mainly selling greeting cards and then invitations um, and also kind of personal stationery, like note cards and things. So it all just naturally aligned with this idea of connection and, um, you know, we've, we're in this world where everyone's more used to now sending emails and WhatsApps and, you know, being on Facebook and Instagram. And it was just about kind of let's, you know, return to a a sort of mode of communication that actually like delivers more sort of impact, I guess, you know, between, between sort of the people involved and, um, and then as we've added more and more products, um, that perhaps aren't necessarily in the like correspondence space, but you know, our notebooks and journals, it's also about that connection with yourself. I think that's um, been really important um, over the last year. And we found that actually that was something our community were kind of saying was how they were really like feeling, um, you know, putting their, their phones down and spending time to, you know, whether it's journal or um, even like making to-do lists and stuff. I think it, it does help people sort of just ground themselves better. Um, and then also during lockdown, there was a lot more card sending and um, general kind of, you know, let's really celebrate if we're, we're not able to see each other, let's communicate more with each other sort of in this traditional method of, of writing letters, which was just incredible to see that mission that we've kind of been saying from the beginning really come to life. And it also just was really easy for us to kind of, know create more and more content around that theme no that's so amazing I feel like everyone's kind of gone back to that nostalgic times during the lockdown and I can imagine Papier has been so popular hugely popular during that time and I love your wellness journals as well how have you adapted your message during the lockdown to your community um how you were selling or how you were speaking to the community I think we we kind of just initially like listened and saw what people were saying and how they were using our, our products and then um just started I guess like you know making sure we were speaking their language if, if people were talking about how you know their journals are getting them through tough times or anything like that and, and helping bring order to their lives when perhaps you know this whole world around us is is a little bit sort of out of control um we we then just lent, lent into that and and push that in our messaging. Um, we also actually created products specifically off the back of this whole kind of COVID experience. And one of which was actually the wellness journal. We only launched that in October. And also we did things, we, we launched a small range of um, really beautiful art prints because, you know, everyone's spending more time at home and that whole environment that they're in, you know, working at uh, their kitchen table or whatever, like how can we improve that environment? So we did also launch something like that. And um, yeah, over the next year, we're launching other products that really sort of are all, I guess, off the back of, of COVID thinking about that you know, home office or office on the move, like how do you sort of keep consistency if we're moving into this like hybrid 
sort of working model, which a lot of people will be. Yeah, I love that. And speaking of community, it looks like you have a you know vast community of like diverse group of artists. How do you um, choose which artists to work with and what does that process look like? Uh, partnerships just come about in quite a myriad a number of ways. Um, we, we're always looking for someone or something that's just going to bring something unique um, and exciting to our brand and our collection and, and excite our customers. We like working with you know, up and coming small illustrators. So we, we just did a launch with um, a girl called Leila Tara, who's a British Iranian miniaturist, um, which is an incredible collection. And then, you know, we've also done things with um, more established fashion brands like Mother of Pearl um, and Henry Holland um, in the past. And we just love the kind of diversity of the styles of, of sort of prints they bring and also the kind of medium they're working in as well. We've worked with ceramicists and um, there's uh, these sisters, Liv and Dom, who are incredible that we brought on last year. And it, it's it's just kind of who kind of takes our fancy, I guess. <laughs> and and whether they're sort of, you know, able to work with us. And, and um, you know, we're, we're much luckier now that we're in a position where we can also approach people and, and see if they want to work with us and vice versa. We, we do get approached a lot. Um, so we're we're, yeah, we're, we're never short of people we want to work with. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. And I mean, you, you've got uh, an amazing diverse group of artists in your community. Is diversity a huge topic within the brand? Is that very intentional or is that more organic? Yeah, no, it, I mean, you know, in light of, of a lot of, of, of what happened last year um, with George Floyd's death, we, we definitely kind of looked at you know, who we're working with, not only from a design perspective, but also with our community and uh, influencers. And we wanted to to really make sure we were representing our followers and our customers. Um, so there has been, I guess, a more concerted effort to, to really make sure, you know, are we are we delivering on that? Are we are we staying true to that? Um, so yeah, we it's it's kind of at the forefront of our mind when you know when we're launching any campaign to really make sure um you know, we're, we're reflecting that that customer base that we have, which is very diverse. Yeah, that's great. I love that. And now putting the focus back to you, I think you previously said in one of your interviews that you can diverge off course and still be on track. Careers do not have to be linear. I agree with this as well, because my career hasn't been completely linear. I started in investment banking and then I worked for LVMH and then I started at Straight and Mew. So where do you see your career going from here? Um, oh gosh, I, I haven't, to be honest, I, still, I just think 24-7 about Papier. Um, uh, I think there's still a lot I want to accomplish at Papier. It's a really exciting time because we're Look, we're expanding into the US and, and going to be building a team there. Um, and obviously there's a lot of work to grow the brand there. So for me, that's a really big challenge and uh, something I haven't experienced before. Um, and then uh, we're also going to be doing this rebrand, which is a huge project. Um, and I think we'll kind of open the brand up to a whole sort of new audience. Um but I don't know beyond kind of Papier what I'd, I'd do. I, I mean, I love being involved in in brands kind of from from the beginning and help them sort of build their identity. So maybe another yeah. brand. I don't know if I could do what you do and actually start up my own business, but um, you never know. 
but you're employee number one. So I'm sure you've kind of feel like a founder, right? You've built the brand with Tamor and you are the creative behind the brand. Yeah, I think, um, not gonna lie, I, the whole financial, the fundraising side is definitely not something I, uh, I would want to, to have to sort of, uh, think about it's, it's, you know, it's a really, um, pressurizing, uh, side of the business. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm very happy to be more involved in the, the brand side and, um, and building that community. Um, but yeah, I don't know, maybe, maybe, maybe. I can do it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there's no, there's not a dull moment and you probably don't have a lot of like space in your mind to think about anything else in a fast growing environment. Right. And what does your typical working day look like if there is any? I mean, I'm lucky. It's 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 pretty different every day and every week, um, which is part of why I love doing what I do. Um, you know, with whether it's like regular sort of catch ups with people in my team and across the business. You know, if we're working on a campaign or like with the rebrand, there's a huge amount to be done. So it's you know multi uh, cross functional, and then I'm also always kind of talking to prospective new brand partners. We're working on our collaborations for 2022 at the moment so it's really fun it's just like you know doing a bit of research with the team around you know who do we want to work with from what industries and then we kind of kick off those conversations and you know that can be quite a long process so just um trying to get as far ahead as possible really as we look to next year and all the fun things we want to do there it all sounds so fun and exciting and can you tell us a bit about the rebrand yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's, it's an exclusive for you guys, uh, that we're doing it. Um, it's, it's been a really incredible project to do. I mean, it, it's, it kicked off last summer, so it's, um, it'll be about a year in total, uh, that we've been working on it. Um, but it will launch in the summer. It's a very new look and feel for the brand. Um, it's, it's much more, I guess, sophisticated and, um, it's it's going to hopefully uh, sort of excite our existing customers, but also bring in um, some new customers. And, and I think you know, brand the brand sort of from a visual perspective isn't something that we really made like conscious decisions in the beginning about. It will happen very organically, um, and we hadn't really put together you know a really clear brand strategy. And and that's um, it. Just felt like the time is right to do it. So. Yeah, it'll it'll be a big difference, um, a big change, but I think everyone's going to love it. Oh, looking forward to it. And what made you decide to rebrand? Because I, I mean, from a customer point of view, like your brand already looks very beautiful. Well, thanks. I mean, yeah, it's it's not like we weren't happy with it. I think we just felt it needed a bit of an evolution because it was five years uh, last summer that we'd been in business. Um, as I said, we kind of hadn't really made conscious decisions There, there hasn't been like a brand guidelines document. So I think the team kind of were also wanting that. And as it's growing and, you know, we work with more external people, that's quite a sort of necessary resource that we, we wanted. Um, and I think it, it'll actually, even though we're sort of bringing in guidelines, it'll actually give people a bit more freedom because there's more sort of understanding of like you know what's our mission and you know who are we talking to and then like really will sort of power our campaigns going forwards and and make us think um I guess more 
sort of uh, carefully around what we're doing and um, also I think visually it'll be a lot stronger. Yeah, really looking forward to it. So, um, I mean, you, you said earlier that now marketing department is split into brand marketing and performance marketing. For our audience, can you briefly tell us what the difference is and why you chose the brand marketing route and what kind of um, disciplines sit under you? Sure. Well, yeah, so the performance marketing team um, basically look after all our uh, acquisition focused like paid activities. So, um, you know, Google, uh, Google's paid search, um, paid social advertising through Facebook platform and YouTube. Um, so it's very um, focused on results and performance and um, they have very uh, strict targets uh, that they have to work to. So um, I, I did all that, but for me, the brand side was fit aligned better with my own kind of background it's it's a bit more creative you you we've got targets but they're they're focused around you know engagement and um awareness and consideration so it's it's about sort of how do we you know capture people's attention and and uh, at the top of the funnel and and also within our community so there's a lot more sort of experimentation creatively which i think is um for me, just a bit more interesting and fun. Um, not to say that we don't actually also create fun, fun creative for performance marketing, but <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a different, it's just a different kind of skill set and approach. And um, yeah, it, for me, brand was definitely where I wanted to go. Yeah. And I guess, like, like you said, the goals are very different. Yours is awareness and making the brand cool and performance is like getting that sale. and Exactly. Yeah. And what, um, I guess, what kind of channels sit under you? Is it, so Does social media sit under you? Yeah. So we, we split our social basically into paid, which sits in the performance side and then organic. So yeah, my team incorporates community. So they're responsible for, for yeah, for mainly Instagram, that's our biggest channel, but also Pinterest, um, Facebook, YouTube. Uh, we haven't really done much with TikTok yet, but that could be a great sort of a, a channel for us as we're, we're launching some products that appeal to younger uh, younger people, so academic planners for, for students. Um, and then all the brand creative team uh, sit with me, uh, responsible for everything that that you see that's put out, um, but just, just not the products. Um, and then PR and the more sort of the brand marketing side. So if we, you know, run a out of home, uh, tube campaign or something like that, and um, that comes from my team as well. Yeah. Amazing. And finally, what would you tell your 25 year old self, assuming that you're older than 25? <laughs> yeah, much, much older than 25. Um, I guess at that time I was at anthropology and I'd been very happy there, but I think, um, I probably was settling for comfort and ease. And I, I was scared of, of sort of taking risks and putting myself into a, into an environment that I, you know, wasn't totally at ease with. And I think I probably should have maybe moved on from anthropology earlier because I just got very comfortable and, and perhaps too comfortable there. Um, but yeah, take risks and and don't worry about how you're going up your career ladder, I guess, because you never know what, what that kind of jump into the unknown could actually open up many more opportunities. 
That's such amazing advice, Sophie. Thanks. Thank you so much. Thank you so much Thank for today. You. That was such a great conversation. It was a great chat to you, honey. Thanks for listening. I hope you feel inspired. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure you like, subscribe, and leave a review. And remember to join us over at Astrid and Mew on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook for more source of inspiration.